Welcome to They Came From Outer Space, a radio program where we talk to filmmakers and buffs about their favorite sci-fi film and how it relates to their own work and today's wild world. I'm filmmaker Cameron Kitt, also known on WIR as DJ Lilas, and I'm here today with Andrew Lee Ryan and Tara Lane to discuss David Cronenberg's 1986 classic, The Fly. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You add sound effects to this, or should Tara continue doing that? You should do I the sound effects. I am a performer, yeah. and I will take this on. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do a, a, a fly sound, right? The, the, it's such a it's it's such a silent sound unless you were like on that level. Like if you were like mm. hearing it right next yeah to you. it's like that it creeps into the ear and by the time you realize that it's happening it's like too late and it's mm-hmm. already like eating you yeah mm-hmm. um <laughs> <and> <laughs> here, brain juices <laughs> i didn't even break down the, the symbolism because i know a lot of this there's such a direct relationship to kafka and the metamorphosis but you know mm-hmm. the choice to do a fly because in kafka it's i think he's a cockroach Anyway, we'll get into it. I want to tell you guys a little bit about my guests. If you haven't heard of Andrew Lee Ryan, he's a director, writer, and producer from Connecticut who's based in L.A. He's written five feature screenplays, 10 TV pilots, and a dozen short films. His production company, Subverted Productions, focuses on high-concept films that explore what it means to be human in the modern world. And um, I'm also here with Tara Lane. I'm so excited. Um, She's a classically trained method actor who focuses on film and theater, recently won Best Performance and Best Actress for this film, Chimera, that we're going to be talking about and kind of comparing and contrasting. Tara's also active on stage and is awaiting uh, the release of a play called Rain's Drive by Dan Blackwell. And you're also in two plays by Matthew Gazda, Arter, and Merce. Right. Yeah. Rain, so Rain's Drive is actually a film. Um, oh, it's a film. Another, a, another 25 minute short long um <laughs> i love it long short yeah, the, the long short in the festival circuit they have a very specific yes. category for films that they imagine are going to be a little longer for an audience i guess to say how for. long is chimera again 25 25 minutes it's and 25? one second it really doesn't feel like 25 i thought it was like 15 17 all right i'm fangirling so they're film- actually yeah go ahead. Go well, go ahead. The first time i ever saw the not director's cut the the real version i remember andrew being like i think you probably had some like nervousness of like sending it and you being like my parents said that it really didn't even feel like 25 minutes and i was like oh that's a great sign i guess like yeah and watching it and it going up like this and even the director's cut like friends my friend being like who's a video editor for like vogue and like fashion and stuff and being like whoa that was really good and that went by so quickly and i I was prepared to have to be like, oh, amazing. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and as a filmmaker, you have a sneaking suspicion all the time that everyone is lying to your family. Yes. <laughs> and so like, yes. I always start with my family because I'm like, I know no matter what's going to happen, they're going to lie to my face and it's going to feel good. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then over time, you oh, start see, to- I, my, yeah. it's like the opposite. <laughs> I need to show this to people who will be brutally honest yeah. with me. You, you start collecting. It's hard to cultivate that, yeah. you know? You start collecting yeah. people's yeah. opinions, though, and then you start actually believing it. So, like, you know, it's been out for a little bit now going through festivals, and a lot of people are saying the same thing, that it doesn't feel as long 
as it is. And yeah. that to me is the biggest compliment because it's like you just got lost in it. Exactly. Yeah. You're lost and in the, the validation, sauce. The validation of people who don't owe you anything is just awesome because they don't have like i mean even just you reaching out to us with this just feels yeah. like yeah this is so cool whoa people care enough to want to talk about it more with us what <laughs> that's a huge compliment and you're making a piece of art that's cathartic for you you hope that it will have an impact on other people and it's really hard to make a film that's good on all fronts especially as an independent filmmaker with a with a limited budget and it's really impressive when you can uh, you know for you Tara getting these acting you know awards the validation that's why that's why filmmakers love the festivals is yeah. because that's the external validation that isn't my group of friends patting me on the back and saying good job i loved it that we don't believe right i need the laurel um, yeah. So yeah. let me just tell the, tell the <laughs> audience a little bit about this. Chimera is a sci-fi short film about a young woman coming to terms with virtual reality addiction. It's currently been screened at multiple festivals across the country. It won Best Sci-Fi and Best Performance at the Rhode Island International Film Festival. And has it gotten another award since then? Revolution Me also won um, Best Sci-Fi Thriller. And I also got Best Actor there Whoa. or Actress. So that leads me into, well, I'm, first I'm just going to ask, you know, we talk about a movie that doesn't feel like it's very long. This movie's 99 minutes, The Fly. Um, Tara, why did you choose this movie? <sighs> um, like, I really want to do David Cronenberg. It's like someone who I've kind of been obsessed with over the last couple of months after seeing Crimes of the Future and uh, a couple of other of his movies that this like feeling of body horror, but specifically the 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 Fly I think has, um, I feel like David Cronenberg was like speaking for um, females as a man um, in a way that was actually telling a, a female story that doesn't feel so male gazy in a time where like male gaze is super prevalent. And I feel like that kind of also directs to my relationship with Andrew of like one of the first things that he said to me when we were talking about this film when I was still like auditioning was like female lead characters are so much more interesting. And it was like, whoa, um, yeah, I've never really heard that from a man that isn't trying to like objectify me or um, something that feels more catered to their experience rather than actually understanding a female's experience. So um, yeah, I, I loved The Fly. Um, I think also just the um, current situation with uh, abortion that's going on in our country right now. Um, this movie like harps on it, like it screams it. <laughs> and um, if you haven't seen it to anyone who's listening, I think it's a really good time to watch it and um, shows it um, something political being put into art form in a really um, natural way. Yeah. And I will say anyone listening to this podcast right now, if you haven't seen The Fly, some studies show that light spoilage of the film actually can increase your enjoyment. And there's no way that what we say can actually oh, yeah. convey the experience of seeing this movie. Um, Absolutely not. Feeling, <laughs> no matter what we say, if you haven't seen this movie, you know, please listen, but keep watching. And what you said, you know, it's like David Cronenberg actually has this whole thing about how his movie Shivers was what inspired Alien. Like he's very certain that like he inspired it. He's, you know, he's like, I did body horror and things inside the body. Yeah. But no, you're right. It really, 
it really hits on that front. So yeah, and Andrew, what what do you think about this movie? That so I just watched it last night. I like watched it. I mean, I had seen it before, but it had been years, and so I had completely forgotten about the uh, larva dream until it happened, and I was like, wow. That's awesome, Ugh. first of all. And uh, secondly, I can see where, uh, you know, the abortion theme that Tara's talking about comes from because that was such a, like, powerful scene in that film. Um, but in general, uh, you know, I thought it was a, in terms of technology, I thought it was a great film in regards to, like, what technology can do to a man um, in his pursuit mm-hmm. for, you know, um, that next step, right? How far is he going to take it? What kind of yes. monster will he become because he chases that? And so I, I thought yeah. that was a great, um, it was a great story for for that specifically. Yeah. yeah, it's hubris. He's you know getting punished for playing God, and there's a lot of comparisons with Chimera and this film. Totally. About what are the downsides of it? Because you want him to succeed. So I'm going to read a quick summary of this movie. If you haven't seen this classic film, released in 1986, The Fly was directed by David Cronenberg, adapted from the short story by George Longalan. We follow eccentric scientist Seth Brundle, played by Jeff Goldblum. Just amazing performance by him. As he meets and seduces science reporter Veronica Quaife, played by Gina Davis, who was his girlfriend at the time, by showing his brand by showing her his brand new invention, teleportation pods or telepods. But when Seth gets jealous of Veronica's past, he drunkenly decides to send himself through the telepods without realizing a fly has gotten in with him. As his body begins to transform into a human-fly hybrid or brundle fly, Veronica must choose how to help the man and monster she loves before it's too late. Hmm. It's kind of a romance. It, I, Am I was wrong? thinking that I last night oh, when totally. I was watching it. It felt very Beauty and the Beast. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's it's a so classic tragic. tale. Yeah. It's so tragic. And also just like this feeling of like, um, uh, I might be, I feel like this is like a hot take, but like, um, I feel like we were very much told uh, growing up how like love is like you find it and then you hold on to it and it can never, it's like, um, it's indefinite. And um, also like this love story that they have and just understanding that so beautiful and it's momentary um, is I think also like a, a crazy lesson that I'm learning. <laughs> so I'm like going through relationships and that kind of thing. And, and there's something beautiful in that as well. Yeah. Um, can I just say, I, I can see why people swooned over Jeff Goldblum in that movie. Yes. Specifically at the end when he had become a fly. <laughs> <laughs> You're very cute, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, so yeah, no, I didn't he, know they were dating also. Yeah, and so there's stuff about that because David Cronenberg doesn't want he he's like, that's not good. As a director, it's not good when they're both dating because there's scenes where they have to hate each other and they could break up yeah. and all this stuff. Right. However, it's like the reverse Twilight film, romance. Yeah. Yeah. Like for this film, there's a few scenes where like her where the tears in her eyes are forming as she sees like his ear falling off and like the kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, it just helps. You know, like it just yeah, feels like yeah, it just yeah. makes the relationship so. Because it like, does, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, no, it, it does feel like this, you know, like two people meeting and then like also getting to work with each other, which I think is like, you know, beautiful um, and then not. Um, 
And I was going to say also the the power dynamics that that Cronenberg shares in this film, just like with her boss and how she was in this relationship and he he still has the key to her apartment. And it's just like creepy and he can outwardly be creepy and like so um, like brutal. And it's just like an example of like, you know, because you're in a lesser position and this person's your boss. Um, and you're quite frankly a woman, you just have to like take it. Um, so I loved him pointing out this thing, like, you know, this, she comes home and this man who she is her boss, who she used to date, who still has her key, is in her shower, taking a shower at her place because he can. Um, yeah, he yeah. sees, he definitely sees women and like anyone who knows about body horror, like women are the original body. Like we have body who are built in. Like giving birth. Men have to seek body horror out, but like we have it. That's a line from Fleabag. Um, yeah. yeah so, yes. so Tara, since you know, since you picked this movie, I really want to talk about the acting, right? So you're a method actor. Just Jeff Goldblum's performance. This, you know, he had been he had done Earth Girls Are Easy, I think, before this, but like he wasn't a huge star. Between yeah. these two stars, like what what stood out to you about the acting here? Yeah, to be honest, um, I feel like Jeff Goldblum was one of those people that everyone was like, Jeff Goldblum, like, you know, you saw him in like Wes Anderson movies. I saw him in um, The Big Chill, which I really loved, but I hated his character, um, naturally. Um, and I saw this movie and it completely changed my perspective of him. I was like, this is unbelievable. No cussing. And I think, sorry. Um, holy I was, I was wondering acting. who was going to ruin it first. <laughs> oh, it was me. I wasn't. I was so enthralled. <laughs> um, yeah. I. I. Um, again, it's for me in terms of what feels fun for me as an actor is contrast. In life, it is contrast. Like having pain means that I get to experience this pleasure as well on the opposite end. And I think this movie shows this contrast of just like to Andrew's point earlier of like this pitfall that this person has, this God complex that this like seemingly very humble person who's so sweet and you fall in love with. And then suddenly he is a monster, literally, and his um, relationship with his significant other. Um, Tying that back into like Camara, what I loved was, our first day was this shoot of um, shooting in Williamsburg and I'm like a robot and I am quite literally like my embodiment is this feeling of I'm in this game and dopamine is being shot into me and we're seeing just like this life that I've catered because I'm God in it, you know, like I can create my own whatever. Um, and we had this moment also where we took our gorilla crew, crew into Times Square and the happiness that is on my face there is quite literal happiness because it was like midnight. We had shot for 12 hours already and there was, it was pandemic and, and people were just like, what is, who is, like, what is going on? Who is this person? And it was like the first feeling for me, I was literally like, I'm nobody, like, <laughs> but this is so cool. Like, <laughs> just like this feeling of euphoria. Yeah, I wasn't then... asked once who I was. Just, <laughs> just want to throw that out there. 
Norton. They were like, who's, who's the lady in the purple wig? He's everything that made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Times Square worked yeah. really well for that for the game, oh, right? Yeah, the it was world. it was odd because um, you know I grew up in Connecticut and as so did Tara and like you know mm-hmm. you go to New York City and like Times Square is crazy and then during the pandemic mm-hmm. it it there were a lot of people there but we found parking like immediately on a side street yeah which didn't make any sense and we yeah. just got out. And it felt like you were in a virtual world when you go out to the world in during the pandemic. That's what I found. It's like I feel like I'm in a game. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Right. You know, when there's there's not enough NPCs on the God, screen. God <laughs> sneeze. <laughs> Beware of the cough. Like, yeah, I was like, I was like, this game sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't touch the door handle. Who coded this? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I really was drawn to it because I used my VR headset for escapism very much the same way during the pandemic. Like I used it to get out of my house, um, but. Andrew, just wanting to talk a little bit more about like the acting and the casting. David Cronenberg has always had a hard time getting the right actor for his film, but he's done a really good job of it. So he presented this role to a lot of big name actors and none of them wanted, he said they were all scared of the rubber, right? Because (laughs) Jeff Goldblum had to sit, yeah, he had to sit in in prosthetics for five hours. Yeah. Once he started getting all these costumes and Jeff Goldblum, he said he was really impressed by him because he was actually excited to act through these like increasingly grotesque costumes and um he and um gina davis would she would read him kafka while he was getting put into it and they actually caught a fly in a plastic bag and then fed it through a hole so he could watch it like again just thinking about like their process but in terms of casting talk about tara and the rest of the crew and and what your process was and how did you know it was the right so i mean speaking to you know um what cronenberg you know did and what he saw in jeff goldblum i think i I'm also inclined to connect with actors that are game to like go the extra distance and like put themselves like actually their soul like out there and explore another character. Um, so that's, that's always, uh, you know, my first go-to is I'm trying to connect on that level with an artist and say like, are we on the same page with like what we want to explore and where we want to go? Is this just a, a job for you or like, is this just a role because you're trying to make some money or is it something you actually want to connect with? Right. Um, so when I had met Tara, <laughs> um, she first of all, blew me away during the audition. I, I had done, um, backstage.com, um, to, and I was doing this all myself. Um, and I just like ran through, I think a thousand different profiles of people that had auditioned for various roles. And wow. I, I gave everyone at least the time to look at their reel. And I didn't have anything better to do, of course, because it's my project. So I want to make sure it's good. Um, and so anyway, uh, Tara um, blew me away during the auditions, very raw, approached the role in a completely different way than I had anticipated. But, <laughs> and this is, this is what ended up happening was she, I ended up, picking somebody else <laughs> originally. I didn't get the role, but I knew it was mine. Yeah. Like, I, I swear to God, it was it was so strange because I know exactly. I remember walking down um, um, Fifth Avenue in Park Slope, right a block from my house, and getting this call and being destroyed. But at the same time, Andrew had also offered me an, another role in it but knowing it was my role, like it was, 
it was like I didn't even care. I was so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. And knew it was my role. Like it yeah. was I I kid yeah. you not. It's like this weird This is thing. how films work every it, time. It, this thing happens that makes the film way better because of the accident, right? Yeah, every single yeah, time. Exactly. But it, yeah. it happened multiple times. Oh yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> a lot of accidents, most of them happy. <laughs> um but yeah. th- this one in particular was uh I I had gone with someone else, not necessarily I mean, they gave a great performance as well. They t- did it differently than Tara. But mainly it was because um, at the time, uh, Tara didn't have as many acting credits as for my second film. I was like concerned. I was nobody. Well, not that you were nobody. <laughs> okay. Just from a producing point of view, I was like, I, you didn't even have an IMDb page. <laughs> I was like, I need to go with nobody. somebody for sure that I know. So I was like, okay, I have another role, which um, didn't actually end up being in the film, but I cast her as just outright from her performance. Um, I didn't even audition anybody else. And just to keep her close to the film. And then the day came like two weeks prior to shooting where the lead dropped out. She had to go. um, She got cast in some feature. And I was like, you have to go take that. I went into like a crazy dark place because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. And then I talked to a mentor of mine and he gave me very good advice. He's a director. He um, said, filmmaking is war. And like, you just have to roll with the punches and next man up kind of mentality, or in this case, woman. And that's when I told Tara, I was like, not told you, I I asked you, but I think I could have told you and you would have been like, yep. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, it worked like, out because this role is like she's getting recognition for it yeah. because it was the right role. Like because she shows this huge range of emotion of like the happiest a person can be, and then in a what I would say, yeah, you're in withdrawal. Seeing someone in withdrawal can be triggering for for people, right? And like you're you're in that, and that's like a lot of that's yeah. a lot to ask from an actor, right? How do you to go to that place? But you know, it's interesting you talk about this process because David Cronenberg talked about like you want to pick an actor that's at the same level of the film. He called he called the fly an inexpensive film, which I love. I was like, it's so hard to make what you consider a cheap sci fi. Yeah, fifteen million dollars. Really, just one location. Glass. It's amazing. Ira Glass has the most incredible quote that I think about constantly, mm-hmm. which is like, whenever you're starting out anything, and I mean, obviously the flies <laughs> for being a cheap film is by no means I would consider cheap or, or whatnot. But like the fact that um, when you're getting into anything, your skill level is not matching your taste because you just don't, you've, you've consumed so much. So you know what your taste is, but you don't have the skill level that's matching this. And it takes years to get to your taste. And this by far was like, I remember this experience just being like, oh my God, I'm finally doing something that is a quality of, of my taste. Cause I had been in just been acting in, in, in New York on nothing that actually like super resonated with me, despite it being, you know, practice. But this was something that was like, oh my God, I'm getting to use my skill set here um, and actually show off my skills to match this taste that, um, you know, I've, I've been drawn to. And so, yeah. Um, well, that's a beautiful way to, to segue. We're talking about a movie that has a lot of interesting ways to it deals with taste, including um, vomiting on your food <laughs> to eat it. 
Um, I'm I'm Cameron Kitt. I'm here with Andrew Lee Ryan and Tara Lane talking about their film Chimera and the film The Fly from 1986. You're listening to They Came From Outer Space. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person too when you saw her socially. You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? Okay, let's talk about the script. This is the stuff I like to, to, to hear about, right? Um, David Cronenberg, he's a classic now, but this was kind of his blockbuster, right? I mean, he this was the this is like what most people know of him. Um, and... You know, he's been recently asked to write an intro for The Metamorphosis. So, you know, he was working with another writer to adapt this short story. There's a, there was an original film called The Fly. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I guess what stood out to you about the script and tell me about the scripting for Chimera? To me, what stood out about the script, I guess, is, uh, I mean, it's really a two-character play, right? I mean, it's, it's focused mainly on their relationship well, I guess if you count the machine as a character, it's a it's a three it's a three way relationship. Like, yeah. what do you think about the script for this movie when you're watching? Because oh. I like it's dialogue heavy, and he in an interview said, um, "Yeah, in the Metamorphosis, that he loses his voice really early in the book, and yeah. and Cronenberg's like, no, like dialogue is the essence of cinema. I need right. him to keep talking, and there's like the dialogue is what pulls you through." Yeah. I, so just to be clear, I am supposed to be talking about the fly right now. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Um, yeah, I think it, it is a two-character play. I mean, there's really only two other characters that come in, um, and it really all takes place in one location as he goes through this metamorphosis. Um, and there's this one interesting uh, sign of a good script is uh, foreshadowing and setting something up for a, a payoff in the end. And there's this one, if you're really paying attention, you log it and you say, okay, that's coming back. And if it's a good script, it'll come back again. Right. So there's this moment after they, um, have relations. I don't want to, <laughs> they, they do, they do some adulting <laughs> <laughs> and she pulls that piece of technology that just happened to be in the bed for some reason. And it had mm, cut yeah. him in the back. Right literally stabbed him in the back like his creation right mm. and so there's this moment where she's like trying should i kiss it like it's the the deeper meaning there is is human touch going to be able to fix what you've done to yourself and the answer is no by the end of it or i mean you can wow. look at it like yes i guess in a way but i mean i don't want to ruin the ending for anybody that hasn't seen it but she makes a very clear statement <laughs> with a gun. Um, so it's, <laughs> you know, I, I think it came back around where like that was where the metamorphosis started happening was through that. But if you weren't like really thinking about that moment where, because it's a throwaway moment. I mean, in a, a bad script, it would be a throwaway moment. Like it happens and then nothing comes out of it. But that ended up being the, 
the constant for him was going back to that scratch and seeing like, the hair. Yeah, and that's where the first the first hairs start yeah. to emerge. The first right? hairs, exactly. It, yeah, it's it's just done so skillfully, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. simple, and I think that's the hard part for a lot of filmmakers. For everybody, it's like this. It, it's a very simple story that mm-hmm. it, like it follows, but it has so much beautiful, like you say, message imagery. Um, but yeah, the hairs coming out of that—that's the, where the the body horror begins for him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it was just, I mean, it's those instances of foreshadowing and setup and payoff. Um, yes. Especially in like a three act structure where you, you get to that climax and you're like, oh, wow, because they've already planted that idea in your head that this was going to come to this moment. Um, with Camara, we had to kind of do that with the boyfriend because he was never on screen. So we had to continue bringing his name up in scenes in order to plant the idea that there was going to be that confrontation at some point in the Uh audience's uh, mind. Um, So it's just about like setting the audience up, almost teeing them up. Yeah, because they're just to kind of give some more background. They're both addicts, right? They're addicted to their masks, right? And they have these cartridges. And that's what starts the whole the whole odyssey off for Felicity. Yes, Felicity. Yes, and Felicity has to go find cartridges only to find out that during their kind of latest, uh, I don't know, trip that these machines have been, yeah, these machines have been outlawed and are illegal and now has to go on like an illicit search to get her fix. And yeah, the boyfriend, you don't, yeah, he was there like a piece of furniture at the very beginning, but you're right. There is that payoff. Um, For me, the other moment, this was the really obvious one is that he didn't put flies all over the movie. He only had the fly right before the first trans- before the transformation when the baboon kind of swats it away yeah. and that first right. moment i was like i was like oh, yeah God. yeah like it's not yeah. like the apartment was uh covered in flies and you're like okay right. I, you gotta think about this a little bit more it's such an easy thing to overlook right yep. how many drafts did you go through for this script and when did you start it um so i started it uh Basically, what had happened was my wife and I had decided during the pandemic to take a little break from L.A. and move back to Connecticut um, and just kind of hang out with my parents, you know, bunker (laughs) during the pandemic. So that was like that was 2020, like in the fall. And the script really didn't take me. The original didn't take me that long to write because I was inspired by, um, well, the pandemic. The film is inspired by the pandemic. and uh, you know, all the things that we were doing to try and dissociate from what was happening outside, right. Of our apartment outside of, you know, wherever we were, um, you know, staying safe. Uh, and those things usually included like playing video games for three hours. And like one of those games was animal crossing for Nintendo. (laughs) And, um, you know, that for those that don't know, that's a game uh, for children. And it's about, well, actually, I mean, adults play it too, but it's... I only it's, know adults that play it. It's geared so. towards <laughs> children. You you go to an island and a raccoon uh, <laughs> gives you a loan to build a house. And then you have to go and do things to try and pay off your debt. But it's like done in a fun way that doesn't, you know, like paying off debt in real life is terrible. That's the worst mm-hmm. thing. But I'll do it for a cartoon raccoon. 
all yeah. all day and so you go and you is chop this society it. trying to like implant this of like look paying off That's your debt is bad. important yeah, exactly so like you're yeah. you're doing these things that like you can do in real life but you're being rewarded consistently for it in the game you're chopping wood you're picking apples you're fishing fishing yeah fishing is a big one you're being rewarded <laughs> instantaneously for doing the dumbest things and it's fun and so like that was where the script really came from was is like okay how can we make the, i'm sure this was the same thing with cronenberg when he was talking about the fly is like what is the worst thing that can happen with this concept right yeah and so um that was where the, the script kind of came from so it didn't really take that long to write because i almost just like based it on what was happening i just went to like a more extreme version of it mm-hmm. You up the stakes and as high as you could. Yeah. I also want to point out that the script had a lot of metamorphoses in the like two weeks of me getting this role up until um, like uh, like the night before we were filming. We were ready two days, in, three days into it and the day before, sorry, two days in and having to write like the night before the next day that yeah. we were filming the actual yeah scene. so what it happens what tara's referring to yeah. is um we had talked about it i think briefly in the beginning of the podcast was she had been cast in a different role and then when right. she got promoted <laughs> it was a promotion to lead um <laughs> i filled that role with somebody else and this role was supposed to happen during a specific scene of the film um it was during uh the it's a big scene where like she realizes she's dissociating in like the park beach. Um, and there were two characters supposed to be two there. And this actress dropped out the night before. And it was yep. such, um, it was devastating to the film because it anchored the main themes down and I didn't feel comfortable. Go ahead, Tara. I, I was, I was actually the, Josh, Joshua last night, yeah. who um, plays my boyfriend and is an absolute gem of a person. Um, and we, I feel like actually in rehearsal, we had one rehearsal in Brooklyn and speaking, sorry, getting a little sidetracked of this whole story, I promise it does tie in. But um, Joshua's character actually didn't have any lines um, when you first wrote this, Andrew, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Andrew had casted Joshua and understood pretty actually immediately that he was extremely talented. And we started working together in this rehearsal and started um, figuring out ways that we could, um, A, see Joshua act and and, um, more in this. And um, the things that I was actually going through kind of personally or wrapping up these, um, just like a series of, um, relationships that weren't serving me um, and things that I needed to work on in myself um, and gaslighting, manipulation, being parts of those themes. And I saw this like so prevalent in this relationship where a boyfriend is, you know, crashing at the parents' house of his girlfriend and feeding her drugs and whatnot. And I was like, I mean, I was obvious for me like (laughs) um looking at this so that was like a theme that was starting to become prevalent in our rehearsal and got written in 
And then this thing happened where like this main theme of what Andrew had written, this character who I was first cast as, as drops out and it's suddenly like, oh my God, where is our, where is this theme going now? And what was incredibly magical was the fact that because I had been this other character, um, I had worked with a mod um, one of the drug dealers in it who ends up wounding me. Um, I'd worked with him and rehearsed with him and Andrew, and we had had this like beautiful chemistry, um, knew it like from the chemistry read that was over Zoom. And then suddenly now we're opposites, had learned a script as opposites. And then the day of, Andrew hands a mod and me the new script, our new scene. Suddenly, I'm rehearsing this yeah. as yeah. in between takes with yeah. a mod. That's awesome because you'd never it, know. It had a lot of so good. It had a lot of the so same. Uh, the flow of the scene was the same. Some of the lines were the same, but it had to have a different energy to it. Um, when you take out a female character and like the theme that was kind of um, originally part of the film was um, this idea. Abortion. What? Yeah. No, go, go Abortion. Ahead, yeah. I mean, there, there was originally, there was um, the character uh, had accidentally caused a miscarriage with the VR. And that was something that I didn't feel comfortable like talking about in the climax without another female character there to kind of, bring that idea home. And so uh, I called Tara up that night. And I was like, we have to just rework the scene because this climax means absolutely, or not climax, but turning point means nothing anymore with just a mod. And so we decided we hadn't filmed anything that specifically referenced Felicity's miscarriage. So we were like, why don't we just drop that from the yeah. script? Um, and so we did, and then we revised the, you know, the final scene, the actual climax where she goes home. Um, but yeah, that specific scene at the end too, wasn't written into the script necessarily. Cause I was, I was trying to figure out how to do it as cheaply as possible. And so originally she was just going to come home, unplug him and he was going to just go <laughs> like, no, uh, he was just going to die. He was, there was going to be no dialogue. But then when I cast Josh, I was like, I can't not give this guy dialogue. Like he's a great actor. I want to give him something to do and show that he can do it. And so yeah. it was really, it was really born from just my relationship with Josh and just saying, you know, I didn't feel comfortable casting him in a role and giving him this opportunity and then just literally letting him flop. <laughs> like yeah. after being pulled this out of the VR. Work. They always is something. There's a big catastrophe that ends up making the film better. I think pivoting to talk about miscarriage might have pulled away from the center of the theme yeah. and maybe made the film better because you you made this the film more streamlined. It's right? a happy it also, it, yeah. yeah, it resonated with me tenfold because I, um, I don't have the experience of a miscarriage, which I think I mean needs yeah, to be talked it. about one hundred percent right now. Like. Mm -hmm. needs to be less taboo needs shout shout this 
Make um, heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. And, but personally, I, that was something that was like, um, like as an actor, I, I don't want to feel like I'm limited, but I also don't want to feel like I'm um, speaking on behalf of something that I can't fully yeah. grasp. And um, I'm not an addiction. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, um, I, I haven't suffered from um, like a drug addiction per se, but I feel like there are things that I've had addiction with that I think, yeah. you know, everyone yeah, has we all experienced. Do. Um, and actually last night it was like super validating two people with addiction came up to me and like spoke on it and yeah. said like like thanked me for like you know a not like i don't like leaning into the like um how like the characteristic well, of, of addiction that was what the discomfort that about your audition was that you didn't yeah. approach it the way every other actor did except for the the other one that I ended up casting originally but mostly everyone approached it like how they envisioned addicts to be addicts yeah right and, totally and you could see it and I didn't want that I wanted a real person it felt real. because yeah, yeah. It felt real well, and the yeah. interplay with Ahmad, that's not, that really stuck out to me. And I, I talked to Tara about it. Like, his performance was not in the film for long, but his performance was so good. You know, mm -hmm. a character like that, if so they're not good. really good, can completely derail the film yeah. and take you out of it. And he was so good. Like, his, in his first line, and you know, he's in there. Like, I believed everything that was happening. And so this is something that, you know, people in addiction recovery can really relate to. And everyone gets what they want out of it. But it's really great that you're talking about theme. You know, when something like this happens, not just saying, what can I do to make this cheap or make this look cool? How can I make sure that the theme, the thing I want to come through is going to come through? What are we going to do to make this? What is the story about? And that's right. one of the hardest things to do as a filmmaker. It's, you know, I want, I don't want to ask if people like it. I want to ask if it worked, right? Yeah. This yeah. At the end of the day, you just want yeah. to connect with other humans. That's why you make art. You're trying to get an idea across. And I hate. I thought it was to get laid. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was for money. No, just yeah. I thought we made That's art for not. money. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what kind um, of LA vibes are happening over there. No, it's yeah. no, it's about connecting. It's, it's about, about connecting it's, with people. Yeah, it's about connecting. It's about talking about the truth. Yeah, and I personally, I'm allergic to small talk. I hate it. I like to go deep into concepts and like just talk with people yeah. on a deeper level. And um, so film and writing has always kind of allowed me to do that. And I think it allows a lot of people to do that. Just skip that first step and say, okay, let's talk about this. It's right. big. They it's heavy. We have good. something yeah. that is like, they can be like, oh, wow, this came from you. And it's so deep and vulnerable. Like I can relate to you in this way immediately. Like yeah. it's, look for. it's beautiful. That, yeah. I think that's completely. what's so beautiful about sci-fi though, is because when it's mm -hmm. done really well, what it's doing is it's commentating on something that currently exists in our reality and mm. kind of creates um, this this story around it where you can um, separate yourself from our current situation and explore that in a world that we're not actually a part of. A film, if I had done a film, Camara, and it was about heroin addiction, it would not play as well, but because we set it to virtual reality, right. we allow everybody to say, 
oh, there are things that I'm addicted to, or there are yeah, things. Animal that... Crossing is physically addictive. Like it's yeah. been proven. It it's really like is. Like it's a yeah. physically, it's a, it's a game that's designed to keep you. And so, yes, everyone can yeah. relate to it. And it's talking about something that we need to come in. It's, I'm personally, I'm really interested in VR. I don't think it's going anywhere. But yeah, speaking about deepness, I, themes, identity, you're listening to They Came From Outer Space. I'm in a very good, deep discussion with Andrew Lee Ryan and actress Para Lane about their film Chimera and David Cronenberg's film The Fly. You're listening to They Came From Outer Space. I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. I just, um, I wanted to uh, go back to the conversation that we were just having because what immediately comes to me is like, um, one, this feeling of being able to fantasize, which I think um, some people just don't grow up doing or they're like peer pressure, whatever it may be, um, they're not able to, yeah, like um, expand like what, like, like possibility. And what I liked so much, what I think worked so well in Camara was um, like this suspension of disbelief, I think is like, um, how far can you pull someone out of their reality or like what is real, but still have them believe it. And um, I, I just, I want to say thank you to Andrew because mm -hmm. I, this isn't the first thing that I've read of him. We also like did a writing project together and I am just in awe of how much you're able to like keep someone so hooked on something that is like not um, physically possible <laughs> not in our normal. reality. Yeah, and, it. not and, 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 and it's, and then it's also like the storytelling and how you portray it and the creativity in the scenes. And like, Andrew is this writer, director, producer, like, um, like just even the knife scene in Camara and oh. the, the glitch of the, mm -hmm. the switching of it. I was like, sorry. <laughs> That's freaking two strikes for brilliant. me. Now. You get a third, freaking you're kicked brilliant. off. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you it can replace that. And I was just like, gosh, this is so simple. How don't I think of this? Mm -hmm. But and and it's like yeah, I I, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I appreciate everything you just said and uh, obviously I'm I'm flattered to be thought my writing to be thought of that way. But we all have talents and things that we can't do. Like I cannot write a romantic comedy. I'll never be able to do that. And it's and these things are collaborations, right? Yeah. You had to have your special effects team, your lighting team, your 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 DP crew. Everyone was bringing stuff to the table. Oh Tara, Tara is bringing stuff to the table. But I want to talk, talk about, about Laura Jansen. Can we talk about Laura Jansen just for a second? Um, yeah, she is the, oh, the, yeah. the DP and um, a magician. Like I, a real life magician. I have never worked with someone just like her direction of creating this 
seen like use of lighting, like the terminology, I felt like I was, it, it was like computer science, like nerds talking and me just being like, yeah. whoa, yeah. I'm like, and you took like, it looked like that. And now it looks like this. It was yep. Good DP is a nerd. Laura, really Laura is my my eye. She, I, I met her for my first film. Uh, this was my second one, and I, she lived in LA, and I was like, I have to fly you out to film this because I don't want to work with anybody else. Um, and she's just a beast. She's a juggernaut, like on set. She's in it. She, you know, <laughs> going back to what we were talking about earlier, just like you want to be with artists that like want to go the extra mile and want to push themselves like she threw everything she had at this film for me i mean of course i was paying her but but together <laughs> right the yeah. art is good when everyone is adding their creativity and exactly. not just taking yeah. orders, right like, yeah. like coming up with ideas and so that actually made leads me to special effects chris Wayless won an oscar for the makeup in this film oh yeah i can um, see that yeah. and yeah of course because of course and there was a lot of creativity coming from that direction. So this film is all special effects. There's, you know, no CG. You have a mix, right? You have a mix of that. You have special effects yeah. things that are happening. Yeah. Um, but you also have a lot of CG. So talk about the creative creativity that was coming from those departments into well, your film. Oh, well, I just want to, first of all, when you say department, um, it, it was really for practical. We didn't have like a, um, we had a VFX artist. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so basically for Chimera, um, we used some practical effects, some makeup and stuff. Um, our, our makeup artist, they did a great, great job with creating that, that body horror like we were talking about with the fly. Um, you know, the holes in the, the hands or sorry, in the, in the wrist and, um, you know, create bringing that to reality like we had had multiple discussions on what that's going to look like, you know, um, for something that quite literally plugs into your, your body. Um, your veins. but the VFX was, you know, I can't make somebody glitch with practical effects, like unless we shake a camera and like, <laughs> uh, so I knew from just writing the script, I was like, I'm going to have to get VFX involved. And I wasn't sure to what extent, because uh, Tara and I had had some conversations and I had some conversations with some other people who were on this project already. If we could somehow figure out how to do like the video game elements with practical effects. And it, it eventually dawned on me as like, if it's a video game, like it absolutely has to be CGI or some sort of graphic element. And originally I had gotten pre-production advice from a VFX artist who was on board to do it for a certain amount of money and it was pretty cheap. And I got that advice going into it. It was my first time working with so much VFX. I wanted to make sure that we had shot in a manner that would make it easiest for him to do it. And he got the final or not the final, but the first cut of the film and he dropped out. He was like, I can't, do this and he completely blindsided me with that and so i had to go and find vfx we were in production or post-production for an extra like six months because i got the director's cut i think two months maybe one month or so after and was i mean i was impressed 
but it had yeah. nothing yeah. in it and then it was just like this struggle and I could like you know there's obviously like Andrew being the like gem that he is of just being like I want to get this to you so you know you can have this and we can put it out but also yeah. having this overwhelming pressure of like how do we get money to pay yeah. someone? Because this is a do lot well of the effect. It ended yeah, up being are. about five times more expensive than what I'd originally budgeted for. And I just, I'd yeah. spent all my money on the film. And yeah. um, I just, so I just had to wait. And it was, it was a game of patience and it was awful. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I finally found this, this guy through a guy through a, a somebody i forget how i the black market yeah it's, I, I was on the dark web and i found it. no i this um this vfx artist he does indie films uh peter in france and so mm-hmm. we did everything over zoom like wow and uh frame io as like delivering files yep. to uh I mean, I had given him a bunch of direction, like mood board and like drawings and like things that I thought everything should look like, but mm-hmm. he really just ran with it. And, um, it was a fan- fantastic experience working Amazing. with him. Yeah. yeah it adds I a mean, lot. you have to sell that this character is in a virtual real world. So there's a lot of that, but then there's more subtle effects where you like, you said someone's glitching to show that the character is is disassociating with reality, right? Yeah. However, in this film that we're talking about, The Fly, the special effects are kind of the core of the film, oh, yeah. right? So, like, there's no way he couldn't have budgeted for that. Like, it's the core. It's totally. also what Cronenberg does. Like, I when I think of Cronenberg, yeah. I think yeah. of goo and goop. Like, he's like the yeah. goo and goop guy. Yeah. He's into gooey, goopy, inside <laughs> out baboons yeah. and like things bleeding and like it's like he goes so much further than the traditional horror yeah and so like the transformation the, the like the amount of money that goes into this is the essence of the film well, so you know for you you got you need yeah. that subtlety whereas in the fly it, there's no there's no room for subtlety on the effect yeah no, you can't get around everything. it yeah. and i yeah. i feel like that decade in general for sci-fi um they were using a lot of practical effects to mm-hmm. kind of create it. these I mean, the thing is one of my favorite movies of all one time, of the best. and yeah, and basically everything Vandermeer was doing too. Everything yeah. holds up in those movies still. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't look at it and like, oh, he's in a bodysuit. Like you still watch it and you're like, wow, that looks pretty realistic for what yeah. I would imagine a man transforming yeah. into a fly might look like. Or the yeah. thing, right? Like those effects are never going to look bad. They They're never look, look bad. Look it's because insane. It's like it is that person's like art like mm-hmm. it, it is like a makeup artist is an artist and Absolutely. Yeah. like it, yeah. it's be- I mean it's beautiful and I think it's like um yeah I this it's it's funny because I didn't really I didn't really know what the effects were to be honest mm-hmm. like I, I mean like I did <laughs> in the sense of effects. like yeah it's, like, little you're, acronym for, it's gonna cost a well, lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like I'd seen like the new Lord of the Rings, but I also like really loved the old Lord of the Rings of like how the, like watching the um um the extended versions of showing like how they made people like the the hobbits look small and how they'd have to shift these things. Yeah. And that's how my that's how my brain works. My brain also works on like the makeup level and how to create something. My brain does not work on like visual fle- like the computer aspect of it or like the digitizing of it so this was like super cool for me because I was just like 
it was like an opening of a whole new world of like, whoa, I had no idea. Um, and like what was like capable or possible. Like, I mean, the first day that we shot, Andrew, when I'm doing the hand <laughs> motions of yeah. inserting this um, into the, the ATM, um, that was like a piece of yellow cardboard with a circle in it. And Andrew's like, so just envision this is the ATM. And I'm like, oh, okay. like, yeah, trust, we, we'll we, trust here. <laughs> we're in Brooklyn, <laughs> we just taped a cardboard, uh, like, poster to a wall. And then I drew, like, a hole for where she would insert the, the item. Yeah. And it's interesting to direct actors into really just imagining, like, what is in yeah. front of them. Like, I'm in awe of people that do blockbusters and just throw their actors in a green screen room and they're just like okay you can kind of tell yeah you can a little bit yeah but i will say this like going back to the audition thing um when i did audition um i'm just having this realization now of like part of my acting um or particularly that audition which i loved because it wasn't Andrew's audition wasn't a script. It was, it, he had something written, but it was also like, go off of whatever you feel. It can just be like a monologue. It was a monologue. Um, and the um, self tape? I, the self tape. Oh, the yeah. self tape. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, the first audition. Um, and I had set up, I was in my kitchen and I had set up like, um, it, it was supposed to be like you were in an, an AA meeting essentially. And I'd like set up my coffee pot as like the leader and like all these different people, that person's judging me really hard over there. And this person is like looking at me a different way or whatnot. Um, and I had different objects of people. So in a way I was kind of already doing that yeah. um, prior to it. And yeah, it's just it's just helpful. acting on extra hard mode because yeah. oh, maybe yeah. when it comes to effects, it's one thing you can expect great actors to respond to the person or they call it the tennis ball stick on the mm-hmm. you know the tennis ball on a stick, and that happens. But a lot of it sometimes the physics doesn't work the same way, right? If you're getting moved mm-hmm. around. But um, just a couple more things before we wrap up. Coming back to the well, I will say I made a film about teleportation when I came to New York, and I wanted it to be as little effects as possible, but also show kind of a sci-fi fantasy element. So it's about a girl who teleports underwater. And the way we show it is just that she comes up in different pools. So I didn't have to do that many effect shots. And I wanted to avoid, it's like, how do you do sci-fi without showing an effect? So of course I was thinking about that with the telepods. I was like, oh yeah, you just, you know, you can like (laughs) teleportation is great for film. And it actually fills me with like a lot of satisfaction to hear that it was really hard and expensive for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is so beautiful because everyone has to deal with things being way more expensive than they think. Yeah, like, yeah. This is the pain, right? The pain is that it's so expensive to make the, this specific form of art. Don't, right. There's no guarantee of, oh, this is going to be well received or like. Or that you'll make um, any money back. Artist, right? What? Sorry. Or that you'll make any money back on it, right? It's right. Short I mean, maybe not until you're. Investment further in your career literally like yeah. um, well si- science fiction in general is inherently the hardest because you have to create something that doesn't exist right yeah yeah so, i mean you're, every other genre cartridges. you can kind of get away with not spending I've, money in that department andrew i've been thinking about this a lot like the props the prop sell it so the way that you design the headset really powerful right it look it looks 
really cool but like the cartridges the physicality of those i don't know what what were those <laughs> so what i talked to um uh argon props in um new york uh i talked to him about like the design of it what we were going to do and i was like i felt like this needed to feel like it needed to be visual you needed to see that the cartridge was being pushed into the head right um so that was originally the idea behind it but then we started talking about well what does that look like and I looked at like a printer cartridge that was just like sitting on my desk and I was like I think it should look like a printer cartridge and just filled with like this uh you know milky fluid dopamine orange juice. yeah yeah <laughs> I was, okay, it was orange so juice. based on a print oh it's based on a printer cartridge that's helpful because I was like I love that like the physicality of those when they're plunking onto the table and yeah. that also gives the actor yeah. something to work with um thinking about themes just before we wrap up one of the lines that really stands out in the fly that i feel like could be a line from your film as well is most people would give anything to be turned into something else yeah i I think it's it's it's, um, that's where the that's where you guys' films cross over right is that you know yeah Cronenberg was talking about how we don't want to age and that's where all this is coming from right right. we're terrified of aging we want control over our bodies and that's kind of what he's doing in the film in the fly he wants to control his own body and gets slapped by God for it more or less. Right. Yeah. I think ultimately everyone is trying to pursue this and the, where the title chimera comes from is the pursuit of something you can't actually attain. And you're trying to pursue happiness. It's all anybody wants is to feel this elation just from existence, but life isn't like that. It's a balancing act. It's, there's a lot of suffering and, if you don't allow yourself to address that, then you can get swept away in whatever is bringing you that happiness and become addicted to it. Um, and yeah. in the fly specifically, like the idea of chasing this monumental um, shift in the way we travel, like he could have easily just stopped when he did the tights because like Amazon would have purchased that immediately. Right. <laughs> like, like, he didn't want to. He yeah, wanted to control it. He even exactly. wanted to control how it was received by the world. Yeah. Like if yeah. you can just, if you could teleport inanimate objects, like you're going to be a billionaire, just sell it then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he I wanted to that, go that, the that wouldn't be a movie. That yeah, movie exactly. would be so boring. <laughs> he was addicted to the pursuit. Sorry if you can hear my neighbors upstairs. They are no, slamming furniture. I can't, I can't hear anything. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, I wanted to point out something um, which I really liked, which I, I thought was brilliant in in, um, in Andrew's writing and I was actually talking about with Joshua uh, last night when I saw him, is uh, this um, idea of change is, feels so catastrophic, but in reality, it's, it's one decision followed yeah. by one other decision. Mm-hmm. One, like, and, and in, in the moment it's, it's yes or no, or black or white. And like in Felicity's case at the end, you know, she has this opportunity as she's holding the device and it's saying like, you have one hour left, like, do you want to take it? And her getting to make the choice of who she's going to be like the the decision of moving on from something um and choosing her reality versus you know this escapism yeah. um and 
it's, you know, the very end of the movie and it's like this small, a small yet catastrophic scene. Um, Ultimately, and, the, the yeah. ending um, was always supposed to get to this moment where uh, two things happen. The audience gets to choose whether or not they want to be happy or not, right? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a tragedy, but you can look at the hope at the end and say, she's going to pull through this. She's going to get through this. And so you can decide to be happy. Um, and that's the whole point of the film is that you can just turn that on whenever you want, technically, if you just know how to control it, right. And know how to control your suffering, your pain and all that stuff. But then the other thing is just the, um, the way the color changes at the end, it starts, you know, it's dark yeah. and then it becomes light that. again. Um, mm -hmm. and then the music picks up. We're mm -hmm. quite literally encouraging people to feel happy for no reason whatsoever. That was the ultimate goal of that moment. Being present, being no, it's, a, just it's, it's watching her make a decision. Yeah. She's making a decision to, to quit, right? You don't know whether that's going to last or work or not. But that was really that like you're right like the subtle things that a film does to lead you towards that whether you, for instance fading to white versus fading to black those yeah. things have an impact right. as well too um but yeah so this i mean it, tara gets out or felicity gets out right felicity gets the option to get out whereas mm. jeff goldblum seth brundle does not no <laughs> he and does I, not yeah. and then that begins pretty early like pretty early in the film he's doomed yeah um, and then you have to watch his doom and there's no escape that's what makes a film so powerful and painful it's such a tragedy right like there's yeah. no and also also We're all gonna die. His, his <laughs> character as a fly and him recognizing like that he's turning into this monster. He has the line about like, have you ever heard of like insect politics or whatever? And it's like, yeah, neither have I. Like that's not a thing. This is gonna be instinct, therefore you need to stay away from me. And then him like wanting to protect and then at the same time the buzz of the ego coming in, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And and watching him that inner struggle in his character was flipping off him. Um, and yeah, I, it, yeah. It, it's a masterpiece. So my last question to you both is what can we learn um, from this film as low budget sci-fi filmmakers? Um, what can we take away from the fly? So uh, dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue. <laughs> the dialogue's fantastic, but I think does, a sick, does this look like a sick man to you? Can a sick man do this? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a it's a beautiful film. That's it. It kind of sets up a a little world building. It's not too um, too focused on that. It's focused on two characters for the most part and their relationship. And anytime we watch a film, it's about at least one character in their relationship to somebody else or the world or themselves. In this case, it's primarily the relationship with this other woman and himself. And he, Cronenberg did a great job just milking as much of, as he could out of that relationship. And that to me is the best or best direction to go in with indie filmmaking in general is focus on two characters, their relationship to one another, and then add some something interesting to it, to the background. You know, it's a great science yeah. fiction film, but that's not what the film is. 
and that's not what you connect to as an audience. You connect to the characters and then experience it through the lens of the world that Cronenberg created. And um, to piggyback off of that, I would say like struggle, like, you know, in the, in the first scenes, we're seeing like Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Blum, Blum, Blum. Um, we're seeing his character struggle as being like this nerdy guy, you know what I mean? And then his struggle is like, oh my God, this reporter is about to, to leak my story and everything that I've learned from. And so the struggle is changing constantly. And I think that build of then it becoming something that, you know, he, his struggle is, is absolutely out of his control um yeah. when he's then turned into a fly um is great writing um just so uh, I, I mean i'm beginning as like um to to do more serious writing and and figuring that out for myself um but yeah i guess i as an actor um also really appreciate just like i mean camara having the opportunity to build on that struggle um felt you know i'm super appreciative of this role and andrew and whatnot because you know i as that's like all you can ask for (laughs) yeah you got a lot of range in this i mean one way you could look at the reading of this film is that women ruin science um (laughs) because like he would have never gotten in there if he wasn't like drunk and upset about her like she she made she ruined everything you know with her adam and eve play yeah it's her fault I think it's a good relation. It's a good example of uh, society's relationship with the pursuit of, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. something new, something that's going to advance us. Like she's really not interested in him at all in the beginning until she sees it work. And then she's like, Oh my God, this is going to be groundbreaking. She's like, Oh, he's cute. Yeah. Now now she's like into him. He's hot now. Interesting is like, here they have like the like the equivalent of I guess like what the iPhone would be like times a million back in like 2001 but like the film doesn't really focus on that at all you know what I mean like it doesn't it um it continues to lead on like his story and his journey and doesn't make it about like I don't know like the the money aspect or whatnot it's like really more just like like Andrew said, focusing on this, the two, the relationship between the characters, because um, that's like what's relatable, not the, the, the Jeff Bezos story, let's say. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, I really appreciate that, that feedback, Um, like lean into the struggle, focus on two characters and keep it as simple as you can. So um, I'm Cameron Kidd. I've been talking with Tara Lane and Andrew Lee Ryan about their film Chimera. Andrew wrote, directed, wrote, directed, produced. Yes. Um, sure. uh, that and Tara starred in as lead, and both have been racking up their awards. So um, we've also been talking about The Fly by David Cronenberg. Um, Tara and Andrew, where can we find your work and find out more about you? Uh, so you can uh, follow me at Andrew Lee Ryan on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> love that. Uh, my production, yeah, production company is also Subverted Productions. Um, they can also be found on Instagram. And by they, I mean, that's just me. So <laughs> it's just another profile I have. 
Yeah. Um, but 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 we always use the royal we when we have a production yes. company, so there's no shame yeah. there. Yeah, there's you no know? shame there. Everyone, everyone does that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Chimera's going to be at a number of other festivals. We're uh, going to be at the Chinese Theater, actually, on the 30th um which yeah. is kind of a huge deal for me i was <laughs> i'm a little wow. a little worried that i'm peaking because i'm like no <laughs> i'm like oh no I'm is this joke. a sign not every artist no like... i have a joke with my friends where it's like stop telling me i'm peaking you don't get to tell me that i'm yeah. peaking now i'm not peaking right now oh my god that's like literally the yeah. struggle of any artist is like mm-hmm. oh my god i just won this award this is probably the best I'll ever do. Yeah, it's never going to get better. Than the, oh, it can't be good. Yeah, it can't possibly be a good thing that this is happening. <laughs> no, so we'll we'll be playing there on the uh, the thirtieth. So if you're in LA, um, come out. I think Holly Shorts is going to release their tickets soon. Um, November thirtieth. Okay. November thirtieth. Yes. Wow. Of this year. <laughs> Tara, where can we find you? Um, I am also on Instagram at. Tara, T-E-R-R-A, underscore, Lane, L-A-Y-N-E, underscore. Um, and I have a website called TaraLane.com. Uh, That's pretty good <laughs> I have a, another long short, as I mentioned, coming out called Rain's Drive. Um, yeah, and I'm, um, I'm trying to write more and hopefully going to make, uh, become a, a an extended filmmaker of just not reach out of acting as well. Cause I feel like all of my idols are kind of this, uh, triple thread of actor, writer, director. Yeah. The hyphenates. So, yeah, yeah. I want that. I want it. How about I am that? Use present tense. That. You are that. Yeah. We're all that. Um, thanks for listening to another episode of they came from outer space a sci-fi movie review show. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can also see what I look like and what our guests look like by following us on Instagram. They came from outer space underscore. Andrew and Tara, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Cameron. This is such a pleasure.